Welcome to the Sports Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luer, and I'm excited to have a good friend on the line all the way from Boston, Massachusetts, Mr. Joe DeCenter, the founder of the Spartan Race. Welcome on the podcast, Joe. Thanks for having me. I'm super, super pumped that you finally <laughs> noticed that I'm important. <laughs> Joe, you will listen when I when you listen to my introduction of you now. You know how uh, how I feel about an, an amazing man you are, um, and I, that's exactly where I'm going to go into now. So. Joe has been an entrepreneur right. since his um, early yeah, we days. we got to tell my wife I'm amazing. Exactly. Let her listen to this part here. Joe started his career in his early days, um, and I remember from our conversations we had here before, you started a very, very successful pool cleaning business, I think coming out of Queens there, in a, in sort of a bit of a rougher neighborhood. Um, obviously moved up there and sold that, multi- built it into a multi-million dollar business, believe moved on there from there and launched a uh, successful uh, brokering business or trading business on Wall Street. Again, successfully exited that in some sense. Uh, and for what I remember from our conversation that you ended up you know, on a farm in Vermont, somewhat bored, and started to do these extreme races um, in, uh, in, the, in the middle of nowhere. You did, created the death race, I believe 350 miles running around the wildernesses there. Um, and then somehow, uh, later on, uh, obviously Spartan Race, the idea was created and, and, uh, and became part of it. So I know some of those stories because we were sitting next to each other here in Malaysia many years ago and having fun, having some, kind of these fun conversations. So, but I'd love you to tell a bit about it, um, how this all started and, and just a bit of the early part of your career. Yeah, so basically, um, it's everything you said. I grew up in a neighborhood that was organized crime, capital of the world, for whatever reason. Um, Lots of uh, folks that were involved in that industry uh, located in in the town I I grew up in. And, um, you know, my mom found yoga and meditation and became a vegan, um, which was strange, obviously, at that time in the world in the 1970s, but it was also very strange in that neighborhood. Right. And she was pushing that on my sister and I and my friends, and we all thought she was crazy. My dad, um, my dad wanted to make money like anybody else, and he was really focused on business. Now he wanted to do it the right way, but but I think it was very hard to not have partners um, in, in that time. Uh, he went through some tough some tough uh, challenges in business, like we all do, hmm. and. My neighbor, who turned out to be one of the big bosses of one of the crime families, I didn't know it at the time because I was in my preteens, he, um, he asked me to clean a swimming pool. Hmm. And he told me he'd pay me $35. And uh, before you know it, you know, he taught me some great life lessons, some great business lessons. He said, Joe, if you're going to be here at 8 o'clock, you better be here at 7.45. On time is late. You better be early. Uh, he said... If you clean the pool, you better go above and beyond and clean the furniture and clean the shed and clean, clean everything because you got to make yourself indispensable and invaluable. Yeah. Um, and he told me never ask for money. He said, wow. uh, if you do a good job, you get paid. So, um, so there were three great lessons that I've, I've kept throughout my life. And by employing those lessons, he, um, he started to recommend customers. And fast forward, I went to college um, and I had 700 customers by the time I graduated. I, I was able to pay off college myself, which was amazing. Yeah. A lot of people don't get to do that. Absolutely. And um, 
And I still was rejecting my mother's, you know, health and wellness push, yoga. It sounded very crunchy, very bohemian. Uh, she, she would go to India. I just wasn't interested in it. But in that journey, um, she got into running. And she introduced me to a 3,100-mile, uh, 3,100-mile running race in Queens, New York, around a one-mile loop wow. called the Transcendence Run. And, um, and it just uh, – my sister and I seeing it, you know, it really showed – the power of the human mind, what, what you're capable of. Hmm. And so, um, so anyway, that was deep down somewhere in my subconscious, um, still wasn't into it. Uh, met someone at university who saw a spark in me and said, what the hell are you doing cleaning pools? Like <laughs> you, could, you could do so much more and convinced me to go to Wall Street. Right. And so, you know, just to make the short, the story shorter, he, um, he, he just called me month after month after month. And I, I didn't want to give up the business, but I eventually, he eventually convinced me by giving me a stock tip, which worked. Mm. And I thought, oh my God, I'd rather go to Wall Street than, than actually uh, clean pools all day. Yep. So, so went to Wall Street, um, bounced around, um, felt very um, unsure of myself, insecure because I was no longer the CEO of my own business and my own destiny. I was now working for somebody in an industry that I was unfamiliar with. Right. And uh, it eventually worked. I built a business there. And, and from there, I went to, um, you know, I went to a place where I started uh, eating too much and probably having too many drinks and doing what people do when they start making money. Yeah. Uh, and, and I wasn't feeling good. And that's when, you know, I started to accept uh, all my mother's teachings and started doing yoga to counteract the, the hectic, crazy lifestyle of Wall Street. And I felt good. And then I noticed, oh, my God, I, I, I stumbled upon these adventure races. Mm. And, and so I started doing adventure racing, which was kayak, biking. What, what, uh, what age were you at that time? Let's give a rough, rough idea here. I was probably 27 now. Okay. Still young. Yeah, about seven years out of college, six years out of college, and and I started to get really, um, really into it, and I started running, and before you know it, I was doing everything my mom had preached for the previous, you know, 15 years that I wasn't accepting, and here I was, I was doing it, and I was, and I was convincing others to do it, and I, I was getting my clients or, or the people on a trading desk, I was getting everybody to do these healthy things, and what I found was- What you business, call healthy. <laughs> what I call healthy. Well, yeah. I mean healthy in the sense eating healthy, not drinking, wake, going to bed early, waking up early and, and sweating and taking the stairs instead of the elevator. I became a nutcase. I became um, exactly what I told my mother I didn't want to get into. Mm. And, and, um, and the business thrived. Thrived. We started to build a really cohesive team internally. Um, our customers became uh, incredible friends because we were doing all this stuff together. We're on a journey together. Yep. Easy, yeah, so the, easy to see. Yeah, the business really, it was so much better for the business than drinking and, and going to dinners and, and heavy lunches and smoking cigars. It was, it was, um, it built true, real relationships and bonds. Mm. And, um, and you're doing healthy things together. So yeah. it was just, good. and That's then from there, yeah, go, keep going. Keep going. From there, um, I was I was ready for a change. I I wanted to leave. Um, 
Hold on one second. Hold on. My daughter is asking. Court. I mean, uh, Catherine. She's not here. She went to school. She to drop off the boys. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Sorry. We'll edit we'll, it we'll out get, later. We'll get to the story. We'll get to the story on how the the the, the children ended up here. So <laughs> so uh, so I I leave Wall Street. I sell the business. I meet my wife, who's the mother of of, of the daughter I was just speaking to, and um, and we moved to Vermont which was five hours from New York City, and I literally transformed my life. I started putting on races, mm. and I gave up a tremendous salary, you know, tremendous uh, economics for myself, but it started to feel good just helping people do what my mother was trying to get people to do, right? To, to, to look in the mirror um, and, and find out who they were right. and, and start to do things, you know, go, I call it extreme wellness. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so we moved to Vermont, we, we rebuilt a farm, we got married, we started having children, and we started putting on races. And it went from one race to two races to five races. And, and here you we know, are. You, yeah, here we are. You and I met, I don't know, four or five years ago. That's and weird. we moved out to Asia. Now we're in 45 countries. One, well, now we just acquired Tough Mudder, so we got 1.8 million participants a year. That's crazy. And, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. But, but we'll get to it a little bit. I, I want to just uh, step back for a minute because I know you have uh, part of your character really is what I would call the sort of tough love uh, style. And I know you have a bit of that with your kids and, and I'm sure uh, it shows up in other parts of your life too. G- give me a little bit of that, um, what you do and, and how that comes across. You know, it's tough love on, on myself too. Um, mm. and, and the idea is um, – uh, I got this. I got this great saying, which is, "No one cares. Work harder." You know, my dad, my dad, and the neighborhood I grew up in <clears throat> was unforgiving, and yeah. and it was all about like just work. Um, very much, very much like uh, you know, a third world country. Um, e- even though we're in the first world, it was we just wake up early, we work, we hustle, we get it done, and there's really there's nothing else. That's what we do. Mm. And and um, and so I. I definitely picked that up, and it's part of my whole fabric, my ethos. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's hard to be depressed if you're working and active and productive. I think it's hard to be insecure if you're working and active and productive. Like so, I think it fixes a lot of things. And and um and so that's the message to the kids is let's not let's not get stuck in this area where hey we've done okay as a family and so you get to to ride some coattails. No, you're going to work. We're going to wake up early at 5:45 in the morning. We're going to we're going to do a workout, right? We're going to mm. I mean the kids ran marathons at, at you know, 8 years old. So Amazing. Now, now listen. I mean, if you go to areas in Africa or China or whatever, you know, kids will walk 13 miles to school every day or they'll they'll walk 13 miles to go get water for the village. So it's not like uh superhuman or anything. It's just in this new world where we bubble wrap our kids. And we're so protective. Um, I'm, I'm a bit of an anomaly. Yeah, you are in many ways, and we'll get into more of that later. Uh, but for full disclosure, and, and you, you touched on it already, um, 
uh, we've been we were involved. Uh, you know, I was one of your promoters here in in the region in Asia. Uh, we had a lot of fun together, put some big races together. So uh, I know what it takes, uh, at least on on a small level, to put a Spartan race together, to find the course, uh, to find sponsors, and you know bring participants together and and all get them out alive and safe at the end uh, uh, without uh, losing anyone in the process. So. And I am a proud uh, trifecta medal owner, so um, I've been there and done it. Uh, and I want to talk a bit about this now of what you do, obviously, globally, and, and you touched on it a bit earlier already, right? Seven million strong tribe around the world, you know, 250 races a year, 45 countries, a million participants. How do you get there, you know, and, and what were, you know, there, there's obviously, I'm sure there are phases you went through. Talk us through a bit, and, and I remember one of the, the stories from you where, like, right at the beginning, early days, you kind of ran out of money, and you had to basically get your, go back to your Wall Street boys to, to even survive, right? Kind of start there and maybe talk us a bit through it. I'm always running out of money. <laughs> no, we all. Yeah, I have um, big ambitions, right? So I'm always pushing the needle for for more and further and better. And um, no different than those early days where, I mean, I lost money for 15 years with this business. Thank God I had some money from Wall Street and I still had some money coming in. I was able to burn burn through it and and, uh, and, and ultimately build a business, but it was touch and go. And, and I did have to lean on my friends uh, on Wall Street to send money like immediately without a business plan or or anything, and, and they were good enough friends, and they believed in me enough that they did it, which was great. Um, they ultimately uh, got a nice return. Um, so yeah, you know, it goes back to that original, those original messages from that, from that neighbor of mine that just taught me, you know, just go above and beyond, do a great job, don't ask for money, and if, and if you, you're doing a great job, it'll be there when you need it, and, um, and he was right. So... So yeah, it's been it's been a crazy up and down journey, a lot of downs, um, and and even in business, even when you think you're crushing it, uh, you're always you always you know this better than anybody. You've always got problems. Absolutely. Business is is a combat sport. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's a good metaphor. Um, now you are obviously you started in the U.S. and then went into Europe, and obviously when we met, uh, started the, your Asian journey. Where, which, where do you see is the, the you know, the, the gross potential and or where do you see, where are the biggest challenges out there for you right now? Biggest challenges for us um, right now it, are the same as they were in the early days, which is digital. I mean, I think every business around the world experiences this. Unless you're a pure digital play, a pure digital company, um, every brick and mortar company. I mean, essentially we're, we're an event business, right? So we're, we're very, um, analog business. Um, however, we have a digital component, which is trying to convince people to come out and do a race the same way my mom tried to convince me to do yoga. And, and it's a difficult sell because human beings, number one motivator, the number one thing that motivates us as a species is the avoidance of discomfort. Mm-hmm. So we want to avoid discomfort at all costs. We want to sit on the couch. We want to watch TV, but then we don't even want to stand up and turn the channel. We have to have a remote control to do it. And then the remote control is too difficult, so we need a voice uh, activator, Activated. right? <laughs> yes. So, so we are trying to avoid discomfort at all costs. And, and the difficult part is I'm selling the product and service that I sell, that we sell, is discomfort. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so right. So our our biggest challenge as a company 
is how do we express and motivate and nudge human beings to want to get uncomfortable and do it in a digital way where they're able to just swipe and watch and do nothing. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> you give them a Spartan pill. Well, that will do the trick. Spartan pill. There we go. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. And and that little leads a bit into the uh, into my next kind of question is, in, at the end of the day, you and Tough Mudder, obviously, in, in some sense, and, and a few others, you build a brand, right? You build a new sport. It didn't exist, right? People didn't run around the jungles or the woods and, and climbed over stuff, you know, maybe in the old days, in a sense, for, for hunting, but obviously not from a recreational sporting point of view. So, um, you know, how do you see this, building the brand, you know, Spartan as a name, of course, as, you know, there's history there, but, uh, you, know, how, how do, you know, how did all, how, how that all came together? Well... It was hard. It was, um, I mean, you know, building a brand is tough uh, in your own market, let alone 45 different countries. Yep. It was very, very expensive. Uh, thank God uh, the digital age had arrived, social media had arrived, YouTube, et cetera. So we were able to reach people at scale, um, which made it a little easier. But, but I, think, um, I think we got lucky. I think the name Spartan resonates with lots of people. It means something. Yep. I think that helped. I think it was very authentic that I actually did the stuff myself. My team does the stuff themselves. Yeah. Uh, we had a philosophy behind it. We believe in purposeful suffering or um, you know, manufacturing adversity so, because I think it makes you better. And so um, you know, uh, it's just like building any brand. You, the first uh, thousand people were hard, but then the next thousand were a little easier, and the next thousand were a little easier. And then before you know it, they were – They were recruiting friends and family. So, um, you know, and, and Tough Mudder was a formidable competitor. And, and it actually helped us because it's, it's like when you're on a track running against somebody, you go faster. Yep. So having, having Tough Mudder compete with us actually made us faster, stronger, better. Mm. Um, and probably made them faster, stronger, better. And together we built a sport. Yep. Um, with, with, with our eyes set on someday making an Olympic sport. That's right. Now, let's say, you know, while we're talking about Tough Mudder being a competitor now, obviously you, you took it over. And uh, maybe correct me, what, at least what I read is that you, you, bought, you took over the U.S. license or you took it over globally. Uh, I'm not sure. I yeah, we bought the company. We, we, um, it was in stages. It was hard to read the news. But um, in, in December, we bought some licenses and we worked our way towards eventually acquiring the company, which was completed about a week ago. All right, okay, excellent. Well, first of all, congratulations. Um, but again, it comes with its own challenges. Not, not so much that your competitor is away, but you know, they obviously had their own challenges, and that's why they were in, in the trouble they were into. So how do you see the two brands now working together and you, in a sense, controlling it? You, you're the Vince McMahon of, of uh, mud racing now. Um, how, do you, how are you going to do this? How are you going to change this, you know, the, the trajectory? I'm going to keep my nose out of Tough Mudder um, because I don't want to blend the brands. I want to keep it a completely separate brand. Okay. It's a different community. And, um, and I think even subconsciously, if I get too involved, it'll start to bleed together. And then, and then both brands will be mayonnaise rather than separate uh, ingredients, right? Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So we're going to keep it separate, uh, keep it and get it back to its original luster um it really wasn't a business problem they had it was a balance sheet problem they had they they just borrowed too much they spent too much they um they dividend too much it just wasn't 
uh, it wasn't run in the right way when it came to the bank account. So, um, but we, we think we got that solved and um, we'll have it back to its original place, you know, 12, 15 months. So um, we're, not, we're not blending the teams. Um, and then, you know, a year from now, we'll take a look and see if there's some synergies in finance or there's some synergies in marketing or whatever, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that's a, yeah, it's a good strategy. And, and also, it, I'm sure, I think it makes sense and, and uh, keeps both brands honest. Uh, how, many, how many more races does it add to your schedule then? You, so you got 250 with Spartan. What, how many do you have for, with, uh, with Tough Mudder globally? Tough Mudder will have about 50 right now, so we'll be about 300 events, 1.8 million participants. Right. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, I love it. Uh, so, I mean, now that, that leads a bit to uh, two things. One is, um, are, is the, well, overall, is the company profitable or, you know, how are you currently funding it? Is it still, you know, venture funds or, uh, you know, is it sort of spitting out money now? Um, I wouldn't use the term spitting out money, but, um, <laughs> but, it, is, but it is profitable. It kind of drips out. It doesn't okay. spit. Um, uh, but we're okay. We're profitable. We, we, um, we do still have some institutional investors. Hearst, the big media company, is a partner of ours, which is great. They've been fantastic. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, we're actually, we're actually raising some funds right now. Uh, we're doing a small raise just so that we could become uh, bulletproof with our balance sheet. Um, while we make these acquisitions. We have other acquisitions that we're working on as well, so um, we just need to be able to fund it all. That's fantastic, Joe. I, I love that. I'm very happy to hear that because I remember when we talked a few years ago that wasn't maybe quite all there yet. Um, now, let me talk. I want to talk a bit about your time here in Asia. You know, you lived for, for a year, I believe, in Singapore, and then I, you moved into, to move to Japan for a bit when you, when you started launching in China. Tell us a bit about your, your, your time here and, and the experiences. It was awesome. My family was kind enough to follow me to um, Singapore. We, we, that was our first stop on our global journey. We, we did a year in Singapore, which was right next door to you in, yeah. in uh, Kuala Lumpur. And we'd come over and visit you. And, um, you know, it was just really a good uh, hub for me to be able to jump to China, go over to Hong Kong, be in Taiwan, go to Japan, and, and start to lay the groundwork for an Asian uh, division of our business. And it worked. It worked in a big way. It became the fastest growing uh, division um, worldwide for us. So I'm glad we spent some time over there from Singapore. We fell in love with Japan. So we did a year in Tokyo. And then on the way back, we parachuted out and landed in Vancouver, uh, Western Canada. So we, we did a, a year in Vancouver. And now uh, you're talking to me in Boston. Our headquarters is, uh, is in Boston, um, Massachusetts. Yeah, so. Awesome. Um, yeah. Now, now, how many races of the 250 you have in Asia? Because I remember when we started, it, we were literally the second race uh, after Korea. So uh, how many do you have now in total here in Asia? God, don't hold me to this, but I'm doing some quick math in my head. I bet you, I bet you it's 20% of our business is in Asia now. Yeah. Uh, so it's so about almost 50 races then. That's awesome. Wow. And I, I'm assuming a reasonable chunk of that is in China, right? Because I know you have a good partnership there. And, uh, and I'm sure China is a big market. Yeah, China's big. Uh, Japan is big. Um, well, you know, the whole region is, is big. It's just um, there's so many human beings. The population is, is so great that it just makes it um, – it it's easier. Hmm. If you compare, let's say, your average Spartan racers in the U.S., Europe, or Asia, is there, is there a difference or is it truly 
human beings are at, at the at the core all the same human beings are at the core all spartans <laughs> i love that yeah and we and we just bring it out <laughs> doesn't matter where we go uh they are all the same so yes okay but uh, do you see there in, in terms of how you deal have to deal with a customer, the maybe services or certain things you do differently by region, or really is you deliver that same kind of Spartan experience more or less the same across the world? Pretty much the same across the world. Hmm. Um, we don't we don't do it differently. I mean, obviously, if we're in Sweden, it's a little colder. Maybe there's snow on the ground. <laughs> okay, yes. Or you know, if we're in Chile, it's a little hotter and drier. But but um, by and large, it's the same experience anywhere you go. Hmm. Oh, very interesting. Uh, back to the business side a bit. Uh, you know, what's the ultimate goal here, Joe? Take the company public, sell it off, uh, or just keep going forever and start changing lives? I just want to change 100 million lives. I mean, I'd be lying to you if I, if I didn't say that there are days, pretty much every day, where I want to just shoot myself and say, God, I, I just can't take it because like I said, business is a combat sport, but, but, uh, the reality is I really get a, a kick out of changing lives. So, um, yeah, and, that's what I want to do. Yeah. And I saw that. I, I think you're, there's change a hundred million lives that's somewhere either on your, on your Instagram account or somewhere on, on, on your social media platforms. I saw that as a sort of figure and goal. I, I love that. I think that's a, that's a very cool, uh, statement there. So, um, and I, you know, so you got seven million into it. So ninety-three million to go. That's awesome. Ninety-three million to go. It's tattooed on my chest. One hundred million lives. Let's go. Awesome. Now, tell me a bit about the Olympics. Uh, I know we've had that conversation before. Uh, where where is it now? I remember you were sort of you started to lobby and all this stuff. How serious is this? And and where are you on the on that on that card? Well, it's a long journey, as you know to get accepted into the Olympics, but we've had enough meetings. We submitted all the paperwork. We've got the governing bodies uh, everywhere. So it's just a matter of them accepting this as a sport. Uh, the question in my mind isn't, isn't will it become an Olympic sport? It's just when. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's just a matter of, you know, getting through the red tape, but it's coming. I hope it comes before 2028 LA, but um, you know, let's see, let's see what happens. Hmm. No, that, that's a, yeah. Now, when if when you talk about the Olympics, would it be a Spart under the Spartan brand, or it would it be more, let's call it, obstacle racing in the in the more let's say generic sense? What what do you see it? It would be more obstacle racing in the generic sense. But uh, yeah, that that would maybe make the most sense. Uh, oh, very cool. Um, look, Joe. Uh, the, you know, I know you had a bit of a hard stop here, so um, I'm going to keep this uh, nice and short. Uh, Two quick ones here. One is all these amazing learnings, and you shared a bit of it already um, from your career. What's your toughest learning? What's the one you really feel, you know, whether it was a failure or, or something very successful, um, where you see this is something to share for, for young audiences and viewers who want to learn from entrepreneurs? I would say um, it's going to sound like a cliche, but but I really believe this. Um, and I, I, it's funny. I was just filming some stuff yesterday for CNBC, so we were talking about it. But um, there's just no way around it. You've got to work hard. And so even if you're a young entrepreneur, you're thinking you're going to get in your own business, you're going to start your own uh, uh, sporting uh, agency, whatever it may be, um, whatever you think is hard work, multiply that by 10. 
mm-hmm. because that that's what it's like running your own business. And just make sure that you are completely bought in to, to that reality because um, it's going to be longer days, longer months, longer years than you ever expected. You're going to get paid a lot less than you think you are. You know, there was a famous explorer in, in the UK called Shackleton and he ran an advertisement when he was looking to get a bunch of crew members to join his ex- exploration um, around Cape Horn. And he, um, he asked them, you know, he's, the advertisement basically said, uh, looking for a few good men, um, complete darkness, low rations, return unlikely. And, <laughs> and, and, and that's what it's like. Um, that's what it's like running a business. So make sure you're ready for this because it's going to be hard. That's a great message, Joe. Um, and I, uh, you know, again, uh, let, I want to just touch on a few things because besides running, obviously, it's now 300 races, uh, events around the world, um, you, ha- you also do a bunch of other stuff. You have your own podcast as well uh, where you've interviewed people like uh, Richard Branson and Tim Ferriss and, and other you know, interesting characters. Uh, you, you, have your, you wrote a book, a best-selling book and stuff. So how do you do it all? I mean, how, when, is, when does your day start? Because I know uh, you have these sort of you have these crazy regiments here. And when does it end? You know, how, how do you how you how does your 24 hour look like? Well, I'm up. I'm up uh, this morning. I was up at four. I'm um, getting myself together, starting my workout, waking the kids up around five twenty five so that we could start their workout at five forty five, fighting with them and, and nudging them until uh, six forty five. Doing a podcast with you or or some uh, emails, uh, getting to work, uh, knife fighting all day at work, trying to survive, uh, get home, more emails, eat a little bit, uh, and collapse. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so what, what, what time do you what time do you collapse? I, I want to just curious when you get up at four. I like to be in bed by nine. Yeah. Okay, that's not bad. That's still uh, that's still good. Seven hours there. Uh, look, Joe, uh, love this, and I really appreciate you finding half an hour here today with me. Um, you are a machine, my friend. I know uh, because I've seen do- you how you do burpees, and uh, uh, and I remember our conversation about the, this crazy challenge you had where you tried to do how many it was ten thousand burpees or something. Um, yeah. So uh, I have all the respect for you, what you're doing, and what you're building there, and I wish you all the best. Um, I will have to participate in one of your, your races here in, in Asia again, and uh, hopefully to see you again here soon. So thank you very much for your time. You know, trifectas go, they vanish after two years, so you better get back out there. <laughs> I have it proudly hanging here in my office, but uh, yes, it's time to get a new one, and uh, we'll hook up with, uh, with the guys who are running the, sh- running the events here now, and hopefully I'll see you in one of the races. You're awesome. I'll see you later. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Joe. We'll talk to you soon. Have Bye. a great day. Bye. The Sports Entrepreneurs by Marcus Lure Podcasts are a collection of interviews and stories. All content in this podcast is the copyright of Marcus Lure. Reproduction and distribution of the presentation without written permission of the owner is prohibited. All rights reserved.